0: An
1: American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima.
0: Behind Belinda, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down
1: this. All right, we don't have time for that. Welcome back to the Cold War. <laughs> I'm in a hurry. It's uh, episode I've heard that <laughs> episode fifty-eight, Ray. So we started. Yes. At the end of episode fifty seven, we started talking about the Bern Incident, BRN, the the de facto capital of Switzerland. Even though none of the events actually took place in Bern, it's referred to as the Bern Incident because that's where Alan Dulles was based. The first meeting that's
0: a cool title. The first
1: meeting between Dulles and Obergruppenfuhrer Karl Wolf of the SS actually took place in Zurich. On March 8, 1945, less than a month after the end of the Yalta Conference, Mm. an American had a secret meeting with a Nazi to discuss ending...
0: separate... Oh, my God.
1: ...that part of the war.
0: But Dulles had a cunning plan. He was going to ply the German with drink because we all know that Germans don't drink very much, so this should be effective. And he also was going to have a fire in the fireplace. And as we all know, a fire soothes you, it calms you, it makes you sleepy, it makes your eyelids heavy. And he was going to use these two things to weaken this man's, I don't know, whatever, fortitude, and get his, have his way with him, but not rape. I want to make that clear. Alan Dulles was going to use drink and fire and a fireplace to cosy up to the German.
1: Don't worry, Mr B. I have a cunning plan to solve the problem. Yes, Mordick, let us not forget that you tried to solve the problem of your mother's low ceiling by cutting off her head. Almost worked. (laughs) Yeah, now, the people taking part in this fireside chat were Alan Dulles. (laughs) His assistant, Gerald von Gevernitz... And believe nice. it or not, that isn't a fake name. Uh, that was <laughs> once my porn name, Gerald von Gevernitz, uh, and Carl Wolf. Now, right. Al, Alan Dulles created a code name for this uh, meeting, it was known as Operation Sunrise. And he was very proud of Operation Sunrise, Alan Dulles. uh, Very proud of the fact that he had come up with this idea of getting one of the heads, or the head of the SS, in Italy to sit down Mm -hmm. and talk about peace. Brilliant. Little did he know, (laughs) Ray. Yes? That... Operation Sunrise, the American Operation Sunrise, was actually the Nazi plan (laughs) codenamed Wool.
0: (laughs) Uh, Like, we are going to pull the wool over the Americans' eyes.
1: Yeah, or wool. Um, Wool. Wool. Yes, pull the wool. Don't make me pull a wooler, is what the Nazis (laughs) used to say.
0: These Germans are known for our humor? (laughs)
1: Yeah, so as you had indicated, uh, I think, on the last episode, they were the, the, the Nazis here were actually trying to do a couple of things, I think. Drive a wedge between the Americans and the Soviets, because they...
0: Operation Wedgie.
1: ...totally understood <laughs> the concern that the Soviets had about the Allies doing a deal with the Germans. Um, and secondly, it was a delaying tactic. To enable the Germans to redeploy some of their forces back up to fight the Red Army rather than having to be fighting down in Italy.
0: And, and to give Dulles some credit, because he had turned down other offers to meet with uh, with different people, with different Nazi officials, even with Wolf himself. But again, um, only until he found out who this guy was and what the potential was did he actually agree to the meeting. So again, he was skeptical. Skeptical. But again, if he can save American lives, um, you know he's, he's going to give it his all. Now, as you mentioned,
1: Wolf had flown to Berlin to meet with Himmler and then later Hitler uh, earlier in February 1945, day four, the first day of the Yalta conference, he met with Hitler and presented his plan. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, Hitler apparently didn't object to Wolf's plan. There had been stories after the war that Hitler didn't know anything about it. uh, But we now know that Hitler did know about it. But kind of, it was a no-lose situation for Hitler and Himmler and Wolf's other colleagues, really. If it worked, then they were splitting the Allies and everyone benefited. If it failed and somehow news got out and it blew up in their faces, Wolf just becomes a scapegoat. Um, right. A bit like our mate... Who went to Scotland? What was his? What was his name? I, I what? Oh, fucking the Nazi who flew his plane to Scotland.
0: Oh, 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 shit! H- Hess, no, Rudolf Hess, yes, Hess. there we go. Yeah, God, don't ever do that to me. So, okay. H- like H-
1: Hess, when the the news of Hess's arrival in England got out, the Nazis were like Hess. <laughs> And treated him like- God, <laughs> we knew nothing about this. <laughs> so they were going to try it, worked with Hess, they were going to try right. it again yeah. with uh, Wolf. Now, Wolf, of course, as we pointed out, as you pointed out, is only the head of the SS in Italy. Yeah. He's not in command of the actual army. Right. So even if he legitimately wanted to do a deal, which he doesn't, His powers were limited. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's jumping ahead too much.
0: If I could just throw this out real quick. um, Right after the first meeting that you talked about on March 8th, 1945, Dulles, and I'm sure this was unintentional, uh, screwed up sending his message back to his superiors. He told them that he had met with a representative of Field Marshal Albert Kesselring, who was in charge of all of the Axis troops in Italy. So again, so the people back in Washington got very excited very quickly. He did correct it the next day, but it didn't matter because that information, it was already working its way through the pipeline throughout the halls of power. So again, there's there's misconception and misinformation right from the get-go.
1: Yeah, he accidentally said that? <laughs> really? <laughs> Whoops! Oh, I accidentally said I met with a Nazi I didn't meet with.
0: (laughs) You want to keep your Nazis straight. You don't want to mess that up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is... Is that that from your canteen? (laughs) This, yes. This is
1: that guy who goes on to create the fucking CIA. Right.
0: He gets better. I got better. He gets better at who, who
1: can't keep his Nazis straight at the end of World War II. So, uh, Mr. Wolf, uh, what did you say you're the head of? I am the head of the SS. Right, so you're the head of the army. No, not the army. The SS. Army, SS, all the same thing from my perspective. Are you a fucking Nazi? Yes, I am the Nazi. Okay, well, that's good enough for me. Yes, I met with the head of the army. <laughs>
0: And everyone that wonders...
1: And you wonder why the CIA is a complete fucking mess. Because <laughs> this is the guy who started it.
0: <laughs> we, we occasionally get it right, like a coup in the Middle East, but generally we fuck things up.
1: Even when you do a coup in the Middle East, <laughs> it usually turns on you a couple of years later.
0: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. that's true.
1: Anywho, anywho. Um,
0: oh, we're three people.
1: Yeah, that's right. So... Um, So here's the thing about all of this, which people need to understand. Holding separate talks with the Nazis was specifically forbidden by treaties that the USSR, the United States and Great Britain had signed uh, after they formed an alliance. So what Dulles is doing here is actually um, in 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 breach of the treaties right. between these countries. Now, Dulles met with Wolfe on two occasions, on March 8th and March 9th, and he was so excited by this that uh, he had to change his trousers, and then he <laughs> sent a message that he felt that Field Marshal Harold Alexander, the Allied commander in Italy should send representatives to Switzerland to conduct talks with Wolf on the surrender of the German troops in Italy or possibly even the entire Western Front. Or maybe (laughs) the entire world. No, No, the solar system, maybe the entire galaxy. Uh, By the end of his letter, he was like, for all things, for all time, I think I can negotiate right (laughs) Right. now. And
0: not not only that, but when the German wolf says, doesn't even bat an eye at the, you know, because at some point Dallas has got to go. Now, I'm not allowed to change that whole, you know, unconditional surrender thing. You've got to go. You've got to take that. You got to take the good with the bad. If you do this, it's total unconditional surrender, we can do whatever we want to you during and after, but you have to give up, and the German doesn't even bat an eye and go, yes, I go along with that. Even that did not tri- trip something in Dulles' mind. So he's like, yeah, Alexander, the uh, Allied commander uh, down here, needs to to send representatives because this is going to happen, and I am so going in the history books for this.
1: Yeah, he wishes. <laughs> Well, it kind of did, and I'll talk about that in a minute, um, how the CIA's version of what actually happened is different from everybody else's version, but uh, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the idea of this whole negotiation and sur- possible surrender was approved both in London and Washington, and they sent generals to Bern to negotiate with the Germans, um, and <laughs> But they also decided, yeah, I guess we better fucking tell Stalin about this, right?
0: <laughs> now, as should I, we ask him? Should we tell him? What yeah, should we
1: do? Yeah. No, we'll just hint. We'll nod and wink. <laughs> Say things like, in theory, if... Not saying, but if... I have a new pen pal. He's a like, Nazi. Is that okay? I'm not saying this... Ha- but if I have accidentally... Let's say, in theory, been fucking the eighteen-year-old babysitter. Um, Just wondering, how would you feel about that? If I'm not saying it's happened, in theory, purely. Don't get that look on your face. I'm just spitballing (laughs) here. I'm making
0: conversation.
1: Um, The the United Kingdom and the Soviet Union had signed a twenty-year mutual assistance agreement. Uh, in 1942, and Article 2 said the high contracting parties, and I was like, really? They were high when they signed this? Fucking all right, man. (laughs) What what time was it signed? 4.20 on May 26th?
0: (laughs) (laughs) A.M. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The high contracting parties say, man, like... I never really understood before, but, uh, man, it's all, it's all amazing, man. It's all cool. It's, I love you, man. It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs>
0: it's communism, capitalism, it's all one, man. It's, it's not a political line. It's a circle. And if you go around far enough, you come up to the other guy and you can get his position and give him a hug while you're there. Anyway.
1: Uh, The high contracting parties undertake not to enter into any negotiations (laughs) with the Hitlerite government or any other government in Germany that does not clearly renounce all aggression... Attentions, aggression, attentions? That's not very good English. (laughs) Maybe let's say it should have been aggressive intentions, and not to negotiate or conclude, except by mutual consent, any armistice or peace treaty with Germany or any other state associated with her in acts of aggression in Europe.
0: That's pretty clear to me. Yeah, pretty, pretty. (laughs) Pretty yeah. clear, but Stalin, but uh, but Churchill's got a solution for this. He's like, like you, I think you were hinting at earlier. We're not gonna ask Stalin. We're gonna fucking tell him. We're gonna yeah. just, we're just gonna tell him. Yeah, it's like, but hey, guess what? We got this going on.
1: The others wanted to say, listen, in theory, if we were fucking the babysitter, <laughs> Churchill just went, "We're fucking the babysitter." We put it up at Poop Shoot. She fucking loved it. Couldn't get enough. Churchill, out. <laughs> By the way, do you mind? P.S. Do you mind? He put it at the end. <laughs> she swallows. She's inviting her best friend, cheerleader, coming over tonight. P.S. Is that okay? <laughs> and if it's not, fuck you.
0: It's not rape. It's never rape.
1: Hey, these are okay. con- cons- consenting cheerleaders. Now,
0: <laughs> Those are the best kind. Now,
1: <laughs> you say that from experience.
0: Uh,
1: uh, now, yes, Churchill uh, just jumped the gun and told <laughs> Moscow that they were doing it. Whereas Roosevelt wanted to just lie a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which he actually goes on to do. Because <laughs> fucking, how's Stalin going to know that he's lying? Spies? <laughs>
0: ah, come on. We, come we on. got loyal Americans around here. Americans don't betray each other. <laughs> Who would spy on us? Yeah. Now, yeah, so uh, as
1: soon as uh, Churchill advised the Soviets, Molotov shot back a reply saying, yes, it's because, okay, but. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, D, D back. <laughs> He said, D-back, Churchill, we've been telling you, (laughs) D-back. Churchill shot back a response saying, that's fine, but we insist on having people in the room. Mm -hmm. You can fuck the babysitter,
0: (laughs) but we want to be there to watch. Yeah, yeah. And
1: And as you can
0: imagine, Harriman, who has a lot of experience with the Soviets, does not think this is a good idea at all Mm -hmm. to, to let a Soviet into the room.
1: He's like, look, if you're watching, she's gonna it's, get.
0: It's gonna kill the. Yeah. She's yeah gonna kill the mood. It's gonna spook it. You know, she's, she's gonna, gonna get shy.
1: Yeah, like she probably won't invite a friend. It's just all gonna oh. be awkward.
0: You're killing like, my buzz here, man.
1: Look, you can be in the room, but you have to hide in the cupboard. All right, right? don't make any noise.
0: <laughs> right. Keep your hands where I can see them. <laughs> you're in the cupboard. What? Like? Well, it's how not, a, gonna... it's not a perfect plan? It's not a perfect <laughs> plan. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> <laughs> just, just stroke quietly. Have some respect. Stroke quietly. Anyway, so so Molotov says, "No, no, we got a people room." Uh, the
1: Allies said, "Well, no, we can't wait, man. This has got to happen now. It's going to take you too long to get people there. Can't happen. Yeah. No, got to go down." Yeah. Molotov says, "Fuck you. Shut the thing down." Either we're there or it doesn't happen. Fuck you, right. you lying packs of cunts, <laughs> was how he finished it.
0: Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, so shut it down. So April 16th, uh, yeah, Molotov says pretty much uh, shut the entire thing down. Now, Roosevelt wrote to Stalin saying,
1: <laughs> my friend, I... Oh my good friend Joe, the whole thing was a complete misunderstanding, and you know it—it it was all just military necessity. And they just turned up on our doorstep. We don't know. They knocked on the door in the middle of the night, and there was a bunch of Nazis there. And they said, "Hey, we can we can we come in and res, res, surrender? And by the way, this offer is good for the next ten minutes only." And and. We had no, no, no idea this
0: was going to happen. Stalin's not buying this shit. Yeah. So he's like... uh... Because Stalin, uh, FDR had said something about, you know, or I think it was General Dean who had said something about when uh, some uh, troops had surrendered to the Soviets uh, on the Eastern Front. And of course, Stalin's like, no, no, bullshit. This doesn't this is not the same thing. There's no comparison between the, the Switzerland negotiations and a bunch of German troops uh, surrendering on the Eastern Front. The Germans had no choice because they were surrounded. They were about to be all killed. Um, so th- this is something different. This is something you have voluntarily gone in on. You have violated the terms of our agreements, and I'm and I truly, truly cannot trust you anymore beyond this point. So the point here is
1: that Roosevelt was lying to Stalin yeah. about what happened. He said that Field Marshal Alexander Not- sending negotiators yeah. to Switzerland. The only reason they were doing that was to verify unconfirmed information concerning the desire. Of some <laughs> German officers to arrange a surrender. It's like we heard a rumor, yeah, on the street that they may want to surrender, and uh, you know we no we yeah. we we really that's all we've got, and right. uh, it's probably secondhand news.
0: And just real quick, uh, Stalin yeah. had heard some rumors as well. I mean, FDR is talking about half-truths and rumors and misunderstandings. Uh, Stalin had heard some rumors wait, as wait, well. Wait, that wait, there wait, were...
1: wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Don't jump. Yeah. No, no. Roosevelt also said. Right. Up to the present time, the attempts by our representatives to arrange a meeting with German officers have met with no success. But it still appears that such a meeting is a possibility. Now, this is a flat-out lie. The whole unconfirmed thing, you could go, well, maybe it's not confirmed because the deal hasn't been done. But they fucking had two meetings with German officers. Yeah. And he's basically saying, well, we haven't been able to do it just yet. And it was a fat, flat fucking lie from Roosevelt to Stalin, his partner, in the Allies. So I just wanted to make sure that we got that
0: on on the table. Right. And you said, I believe it was on it might have been this episode, it might have been the last episode, where you were saying that for some people this is they consider this the beginning of the Cold War because we all know that Stalin is paranoid. If you have someone that's paranoid that you're in a relationship with, the best you can do is not validate their paranoia. So they might be thinking, yeah, but they're going to betray me any, month, any, any minute. That's one thing, but you haven't done it. And if you can string some... Weeks or months or years together where you haven't betrayed this person, maybe they'll calm the fuck down eventually. But here it is just weeks after uh, Yalta, and they're already giving Stalin ammunition to feed into his paranoia, and this guy has access to everything that they write down. So it's just insane. But the point I wanted to make earlier was that Stalin was also hearing rumors that um, troops were being, that the Germans were pulling troops out of the West to send to the East, and that they might just freaking open the roads to Berlin to allow the Americans and the British and the Canadians and everybody else involved uh, free access to hurry up and grab and occupy as much of Germany as they could while keeping the Soviet soldiers um, pushed back as far as they could. So he's hearing these rumors and now suddenly there are legitimate separate peace talks going on. This is just, this is his worst fear coming true.
1: Yeah, Stalin wrote a reply to Roosevelt that said Wodka, Wodka (coughs) You are sure that no contacts are taking place. Perhaps you were not fully informed. My military colleagues have no doubt that talks did in fact take place. An agreement is reached. German Commander Field Marshal Kesselring agreed to open the front and let Anglo-American forces pass. In return, Anglo-Americans promised to ease the conditions of armistice. I believe my colleagues are nearer to the truth. Otherwise, it's impossible to explain why a representative of Soviet command was not allowed to take part in the talks in Bern. I understand Ooh. separate talks in Switzerland may bring some positive results because Anglo-American forces have opportunity to advance deep into Germany without meeting resistance from Germans. Then why hide this fact from the Russians? Now Germans can combat actions on the Western Front, but continue to fight Russia, an ally of Great Britain and United States. This situation cannot serve the interests of strengthening confidence
0: between our countries. (laughs) I'm a little turned on right now. Roosevelt said,
1: hold on a second, I never said anything about meetings in Bern. How does he know that? (laughs) Well... Cambridge Five, motherfucker. That's how he knew that. (laughs) Guy Liddell uh, was a department head at British Counterintelligence, MI5 at the time. And he was passing everything about the burn uh, meetings and subsequent meetings to Stalin. Yeah.
0: And and you, and if you have parts of the letter, uh, feel free to read it. But FDR's response to this is so pathetically weak. It's like, no, no, th- we're fighting. I mean, this is misunderstanding. This is something the Germans have planted information. Yeah, that's it. They've planted information. And the fact that we're fighting means you're giving into the German plan. Don't give in to the bastards. And, of course, Stalin's not going to fall for that. Yeah. The whole affair
1: left a bad taste in Stalin's mouth, as Churchill had done after a heavy night of drinking back at Ylta <laughs> uh,
0: did you did you read about lord beaverbrook i d- I just wish that had come true. No, what was the Beaverbrook? Lord Beaverbrook, who was an intimate and a friend and advisor of Churchill, <clears throat> when, when all this is basically blowing up, the, the talks are going to have to be called off. They're not going to go anywhere. This, this is a complete disaster of the First Order. Now everything that Stalin has ever thought about the Western powers has come true. He knows he can't trust them. Lord Beaverbrook says to Churchill, and, and I, I guess he did it with a straight face out not know. He goes, well, why don't you just ask Stalin what his sources are? How does he know so much about what's going on? So, um, Churchill, I think one might've been tempted to ask him, but of course, if, if he had asked Stalin and Stalin had really told him where his information came from London and, uh, Washington would have to have given themselves lobotomies to get rid of all of these spies that are, that are in there. But Beaverbrook actually said to Churchill, why don't you just ask Stalin who his sources of information are? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the stupidest thing in the world.
1: Yeah. Like he's going to tell you. Well, I have spies in Cambridge. I have spies everywhere. Uh, of course. I think, I, I assume you know this. Yeah. Now, in uh, March, late March 1945, when he was uh, speaking to a Czech delegation who were visiting the Kremlin, Stalin said, mm-hmm. we are fighting Germans and will do so until the end. But we must bear in mind that our allies will try to save the Germans and come to an arrangement with them we will be merciless towards the germans but our allies will treat them with kid gloves again he's not wrong we got, well that's right and and we have to understand his pov on this and as you say mm-hmm. he's kind of not wrong we've gone over this in detail i'm not going to go on about it again but right. the the western allies had economic and military interests in maintaining a strong post-war Germany. The Soviets right. did not. The Soviets wanted Germany destroyed once and for all, at least for 20 years, because they just invaded Russia twice, and they were like, fuck Germany, once and right. for all.
0: And it doesn't matter that, that uh, Stalin feels in general that, Because remember, I I think it was in the last episode um, when he was reading that letter with Zhukov. Stalin can generally trust FDR. He knows he can't trust Churchill. And now the one person that he was building his future relationship on, FDR, has now flat out lied to him at least a couple of times in a couple of letters. And Stalin knows it.
1: Yeah. So he can't trust either of his partners now they can't trust him he's got fucking spies in the government oh by the way i I forgot to tell you i have spies they're like well we can't trust you've you got spies but i only have spies so i know how much i can't trust you
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know and it's all validated yeah
1: now alan Dulles was ordered to break off all contacts with wolf uh because the soviets had said they had to shut that shit down and uh, as it turned out, the German troops in northern Italy didn't surrender to the Allies until May 2nd, two days after Hitler's death. Uh, yeah. Five days before Germany surrendered across the board. But, uh, you know, was we're, we're sort of talking um, six weeks or so after the uh, burn meeting, nearly two months yeah. after the first burn meeting. Right.
0: Could have saved a lot of German <clears throat> lives, but yeah. Yeah, um, but,
1: so nothing really came of it, right, is the bottom line. But that's not how it's positioned on the CIA's website, Ray, I have to tell you. Here we (laughs) go. Please. I thought, I wonder if the CIA mentions anything about this, and they do. Here's what it says on the CIA's website. It's got all the backstory. Then it says, finally, on May 2nd, 1945, Just five days before the collapse of the Axis powers in Europe, German troops in Italy surrendered as a result of the dulles Wolf meetings. Operation Sunrise was a success, bringing about the end of the Italian campaign and saving thousands of lives. (laughs) What colour is the sky in their world? Whatever colour they say it is, Ray, (laughs) and Americans will believe them. Because, hey... It's, it's the, red, wine, blue. It's the CIA. They wouldn't lie to yeah. us. Yeah. I just love that. Like, they don't mention, actually, you know, they didn't surrender until Hitler was already dead. Uh, right. You know, the fucking... It took months later. The Soviets shut it down. It was a complete disaster. Dulles, in fact, breached a treaty between the countries because he couldn't tell the difference... And he couldn't tell the difference between an SS <laughs> officer and the army... None of that. Just yep, fucking
0: big yep. win, big thumbs up for of Dallas. <laughs> fucking legend. <laughs> fucking legend, mate. Team USA. Fuck <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now and see, and they don't even mention that the uh, people, the Germans in North Italy could not surrender until May 2nd, no, no just, just that the uh, generals had to wait for Hitler to kill himself to be dead, which which broke the oath they had to him, because they, I mean, they were German officers. They took that very seriously. Only after he dies can they break the oath, and so if he hadn't killed himself, this, who knows how long this would have, been, have gone on. So yeah, the, the CIA, full of shit, it could have been a lot worse. They're lucky it only took another two months. Hmm. In his, surrender.
1: Yeah. In his last letter to Stalin, yeah. which he wrote on April 11th, 1945, mm-hmm. only, whew, you know, uh, yeah. what, a week or two, two after two this weeks, whole thing. Like- yeah. yeah. Roosevelt noted that the burn incident had finally, in his words, quote unquote, faded into the past. Bullshit. But it was bullshit. Um, it caused major damage to allied relations and pretty much wiped out all remaining vestiges of mutual trust that they had gone to such lengths to build during the Yalta conference.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is it. You've got that warm, fuzzy feeling after Yalta. Things are purposefully kept vague. But FDR and Stalin looked at each other across the table and said, you know... I can work with that guy. And that's all you need. You can build on that, but that is now gone.
1: Yeah. A bit like you and me. Like
0: <laughs> it Kind of hurt. I'm not sure what you what you mean. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Now yeah. <clears throat> At the
1: height of the burn incident, Andre Gromucchio, I don't know why I always find his name hard to say, Gromicchio, Gromico, that's better.
0: Right, there you
1: go. Informed the US State Department that Molotov, who was supposed to head the Soviet Mm -hmm. delegation in San Francisco for the initial United Nations conference, wasn't turning up.
0: Ooh, that would be a no. Can't be there. Uh, he's got something else on i
1: don't know some, some <laughs> p- party something he forgot that he'd
0: RSVP to very embarrassing <laughs> the latest doctor who is on we're sorry but they conflict yeah i mean i mean again so he his, his thing is he has to attend the supreme soviet which we all know is is pretty important he is the number 2 guy in soviet russia but they could reschedule if they wanted to. But the point is, he is not going to be at the opening conference of the United Nations, which is pretty much the only thing that FDR cares at this point. This is a blow to FDR's gonads. (laughs) Now, FDR,
1: spending decades in a wheelchair, liked a blow to his gonads, usually, (laughs) as do we all. But... This wasn't a. This wasn't. There was no tickling. This is
0: not a good blow. No. There's good blows and there's bad <laughs> no, blows. A...
1: <laughs> so Roosevelt wrote a letter directly to Stalin um, that yeah. said, Dude! Fucking what? <laughs> Seriously? What, what? You're gonna fuck me like this? Do I look like a bitch? <laughs> then why are you trying to fuck me like a bitch, Stalin? Uh. <laughs> oh, I am afraid that Mr. Molotov's absence will be construed all over the world as a lack of interest on part of the Soviet government in the great objectives of this conference.
0: That's because that's exactly what it was, motherfucker.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Stalin said, fuck you. You fuck me at Bern, I fuck you in San he Francisco. Did. It's, it's... He
0: literally said that with this sentence. Oh, my God. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs>
1: Stalin wrote right back, as regards various interpretations, you understand this cannot determine the decisions which are to be made.
0: Basically, Just because you think it, bitch.
1: Yeah, yeah. What uh, people interpret it, really, I don't care. I got shit, I'm doing shit, You Literally. fuck you. Basically, it's a big fuck you. You know, you're going to yeah. fuck me uh, with the Nazis, I fuck you with the UN, and you'll move, bitch. That's, this is... Right. This is where the Cold War basically right. begins.
0: And Stalin's not done fucking. He's still got his penis out because uh, representatives from the republics of the Ukraine and Belarus have announced that they will be attending the, um, the conference in San Francisco on March 12th. And the United States people were like, what, 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 "What? what's going on? They had no idea. Not only that, but about 30 members from these two republics Republics will be showing up. So it's not like it's one or two guys. Fucking, I don't know, a basketball team from each country is showing up. This is something the Americans are going to have to deal with because it was already agreed that they would not be sending representatives.
1: Yeah, and it was supposed to be done on the DL, and they would be like, okay, listen, we're
0: going to let
1: them in, right? <laughs> Get in but the just...
0: trunk of my car. I'm going to sneak you into the movie theater. Yeah.
1: Put a blanket over your head and don't make any sound. Don't breathe. Yeah. And don't, you know, get it on in the back there. (laughs) Because that's just, you know... That's That's a giveaway. That's a giveaway. (laughs) So, uh, but instead, they're like, fuck it, we're bringing everyone, man. Everyone and his dog is coming. Now, Stettinius was outraged. He, uh you know, went and had a confrontation with the Soviet ambassador. He said, look, we clearly agreed at Yalta that these the two republics would not be invited what? to San Francisco. We would sneak them in through the back door later. Right. But they're not coming to San Francisco. But that wasn't exactly what had been agreed directly by Roosevelt and Stalin, as we know.
0: Well, it's like Luke Skywalker found out it all depends upon your point of view. The Russians had their interpretation. The Americans had their interpretation. What's that got to do with Luke Skywalker? Because, remember, from a certain point of view, the famous saint, never mind.
1: That was true from a certain point of view.
0: <laughs> exactly. Bitch, so it all depends you on that. told me Darth <laughs> Vader killed my father. Well You didn't tell me I was the son of evil, motherfucker.
1: Well, Luke <laughs> You know I'm an old man, Luke. Sometimes I just make stuff up to get what I I want.
0: don't see so well, I wet mm. myself, and I get things wrong sometimes. I'm And, old. and you almost let me fuck my sister. Well <laughs> I did I did get to first base. It was a pretty pretty intense kiss. I was kind of so looking
1: thanks. I was kind of looking forward to seeing that actually.
0: I was watching from the closet.
1: That's one of the good things about <laughs> being a dead Jedi is I get to see all things, Luke. Peeping Tom! When I said, <laughs> if you strike me down, Darth, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine, what I meant was... I girls, walk
0: room. <laughs> I will be able to...
1: <laughs> if you strike me down, I will become a ghost-peeping Tom. <laughs> not, not bad at my age, Darth. Long time been living in the desert, sand people, you know.
0: <laughs> you you ever you ever fuck a, a Wookiee or a sand person? It's not all that. Yeah. Anyway, let's yeah. move on. No rape. <laughs>
1: not even of <the> sand people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the Americans and the Soviets left the <clears throat> altar yet again with different opinions on what had been decided about Belarus and the Ukraine and the UN Mm-hmm. Steady went to Frank to intervene and Frank said, well, I did say that. Yeah, actually, yeah, I did. I, I did say that they could come. Yeah.
0: What? <laughs> yeah, my, you invited them? Bad.
1: Well, yeah, I did. Well, you didn't yeah. tell Well, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I my forgot. Th- Look I
0: at know. my face. It's red. I'm embarrassed. Mm. Stop. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry.
1: Actually, Steady wanted to go to Frank and get Frank to contact Joe. His talked him out of it. Steady, that is. Hmm. Said, okay. listen... The direct Frank to Joe thing, you don't want to overuse that, really. That's in there in case of emergencies. That's the thats the right. hotline. That's the bat exactly. phone. You don't want to use the bat phone every time there's a cat stuck up a fucking tree. Like, go to the fire department first. You only call Batman in when, you know, the Joker is about to gas an entire city with... Right. Some sort of laughing gas and kill everyone. You know, they die with a grimace on their face, right?
0: You don't call him when there's a cat in the tree. Maybe Superman, but definitely not that. Yeah, Superman. It, he'll, he'll get it down with his battle ring and it probably hurt the cat. <laughs> then he'll beat the cat up, saying, Who gave the order? Who gave the order? <laughs> <laughs> Next time I say, Come down, come, come down. down. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm <so> tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Sorry, oh where God. were we? Oh fuck. <laughs> okay, so, so about to, Yeah. So uh,
1: yeah, he said, "Don't use the bat phone." So Steady complained <laughs> to Gramico. Now, Gramico basically told him to go fuck himself. And they were right. Frank had made a <laughs> yeah. promise to Stalin that they could be involved. Now, gradually, the fact that Frank did the deal with Stalin came out, particularly that he allowed the Soviets to have two more seats. It really? was le- and it was leaked oh. by members of the US delegation. Uh, You think they were pissed? Yeah, they were pissed. (laughs) They leaked it to the press. Now, supposedly the US public was outraged by this. I don't know if anyone actually did a poll or a survey to see if the US fucking public gave a shit, but supposedly they were outraged. I would have thought they'd be more interested in ending the war, but... Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, I certainly think certain members of the US Senate and Congress were probably outraged. Right. There was this whole one nation, one vote thing. Remember, Frank had said before he went to Yalta, if the Soviets press for more votes, I'll say we want to vote for every state.
0: Every right. state. Yeah.
1: And now, and then he had at the end of Yola, remember the very last thing he did at Yalta was write a letter to Stalin, church to say, listen, I'm going to need two more. Yeah. I'm going to need Hawaii and Puerto Rico, I think. Puerto Rico. And they <laughs> went, yeah, whatever, dude, take it. And now he's got to drop that himself because there's such a public uproar over this one nation, one vote thing that he has to go oh, oh, fuck it then, we don't want those guys we'll just take our one vote, but Belarus and the Ukraine got to stay in, and there was a lot of finger pointing amongst US diplomats, a lot of blame to spread around who who, who let that one slip through, bing, bang, boom bottom line is The Belarusians and the Ukrainians turned up in San Francisco in late April wearing brand new American suits they'd bought with money provided by their governments and were admitted with full support by the Americans and the British.
0: And Stalin said, and that's what winning looks like. That's how you do it, (laughs) bitches. (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey, uh, I'm going to need you to hold on for like 15 seconds. I have a cat emergency. That's not slang. That's ask not it. code. Ask it. Who gave the order? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> hold on. Okay, you fucking cat. Hold on. God damn, I'm the master here. I'm the man.
1: Oh, I always knew Ray was pussy whipped, folks, and this just goes to prove it. All right, so, I um, like in Gromyko's uh, memoirs, he wrote that at the San Francisco conference, the Soviet representatives felt throughout that the Western delegates were people from another world thinking in another language.
0: Uh-oh. Well, no, I, I think they it's... No- huh? Yeah. I think it's important I was to say, they recog- had nothing in common. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that their mindsets were very, very far apart at the beginning of... This conference. You have to remember that the people, the, the representatives from the Soviet Union, uh, as of 1945, have been living under communism now since 1917, 1918. Mm-hmm. So that's a generation. They've had a complete generation of living under. That. And before that, let's recall Russia was kind of backwards. It was uh, yeah. still fairly much an agrarian society a monarchy with uh very very large um lower socioeconomic strata and then you had the the Mm -hmm. elite on top of that so uh very very strange for these people to find themselves in don draper era san francisco
0: (laughs) yeah and if you think about it at this point i mean Stalin has got the Cambridge Five. He knows everything. He knows now that he can't trust FDR any more than he can trust Stalin. But he's he keeps in in some ways he keeps winning. He's got his uh, the Ukrainians, the Belarusians. He's got them there. Uh, they've been supported by the Americans. The Americans had to give up two of their votes. I mean, things are going pretty well for him. Yes, he's got the tension with everything that's going on in Poland. But he already knows, even though he don't he doesn't know the details. He knows how that's going to play out because Poland is our he is he just needs to find a way for these people to learn how to accept the reality that's on the ground
1: but he wasn't always completely hardcore even at this stage either like at yalta he understood that it was a give and take in march when they had their first post yalta meeting to work out what they were going to announce regarding the fate of germany after the war sir anthony eden raised the question of whether or not it was necessary to state in the public announcement that Germany would be dismembered after Mm. the war. Now this is something Stalin had pushed for at Yalta. Eden suggested they might just be able to state that it would be demilitarized. Now, Fidor Gusev, who was the Soviet ambassador to London, complained that this wasn't what was agreed at Yalta. And he sent an urgent telegram to Stalin <laughs> to warn him that the right. straight out of the gates, the British were trying to reverse this thing yeah. on dismemberment. But Molotov replied back saying, don't worry about it, dude. It's fine. Accept the British wording. Just uh, inform the commission that the USSR considered the Yalta decision on dismemberment a means purely of applying pressure on Germany should all other measures fail.
0: Yeah, even though Stalin talked about it again and again and again and argued, should we divide it up into four, five, six, seven? I've got plans for all of those. And that was considered a major goal and a major victory that he got out of St- out of uh, Yalta. But now he's like, yeah, yeah, no big deal. Just tell him we'll keep it in our back pocket if we ever need to scare Germany. But for now... Just go along with the British. I mean, well, the Americans and the British had to be shocked.
1: My recollection, though, of Yalta <clears> is <throat> that while, yes, Stalin secretly wanted Germany dismembered, he didn't want it to look like it came
0: from... Right, from him. Right. From the Soviets. He, he just kept, he kept bringing up the converse, the topic.
1: Yeah, because Churchill and Roosevelt had mentioned it in previous meetings at Tehran and, and uh, places like that. And he was like, uh... Let's bring up. The, you mentioned this interesting thing, uh, Mister <laughs> Churchill. Dismemberment. T- I'm tell intrigued. me, tell I'm me more. Tell me more yeah. about that. I really want to know. Ah, ah, I want to suck your blood. No, what, <laughs> what, what, what
0: was that? I waited. Later, that come from. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but it was considered. Yeah. I mean, he was certainly something he wanted going in. Yeah. But but now they
1: are backing down. Why the change of heart? Do you want to comment on that? It wasn't rhetorical. Why the change of heart?
0: I don't know. I mean, did he, did he need it? I mean, I he was pretty much getting what he wants out of Eastern Europe, even though he's got to deal with shit from these two. But he's pretty much uh, getting everything he wants. Um, I, I do know that he is also focused on getting a lot of machinery from Germany or from whatever reparations. And if you carve Germany up and you make it... Um, inefficient, it might be harder to gather the money. It might be harder to uh, to get uh, the machinery that you want. That's mostly in Western Germany. I'm thinking he's, he's probably thinking, you know, I might have been a little too hasty because there's still some things I want to get out of Germany, and if we fracture it into five or four pieces or whatever, it's only going to be harder for me to get what I want. That That's the most that I got out of it.
1: Yeah, I, I came to the same conclusion. He might be thinking... You know, If we want to get reparations from all of Germany, it needs to have a strong central government. If it's broken up into three, four, five different areas, it's just going to make it much more difficult uh, to get reparations from right across it. Um, Also, the areas that had been assigned to the Western Allies Zone of Occupation, were the major industrial areas. So if he wants Mm -hmm. to get any reparations and equipment from those areas, he needs to have good relations with the Allies regarding the whole thing. So anyway, they decided to abandon this whole statement about dismemberment and score some propaganda points instead. The way Molotov explained the reversal to Gusev was like this. The English and the Americans who first raised the question, of dismembering Germany, now want to shift the blame for dismemberment... <laughs> dismemberment to the USSR with the intention of defaming our state in the eyes of world public opinion. So from now on, the Stalin's line would be... No, we we did not ever want dismemberment. This was capitalist idea. And this was actually the official line for decades afterwards Mm -hmm. out of the Soviets, that the whole dismemberment thing was the capitalist idea. And there's an element of truth to that. It was their idea. But he was also pushing for it very strongly.
0: Yeah. And Professor Ploke makes, if I'm probably saying his name wrong, I apologize, he makes it quite clear that the editors of Soviet history for the next couple of decades after this are going to take out um, Stalin's remarks favoring dismemberment. So So you're absolutely right. It's going to get whitewashed. He was hoping for it, but he wanted it to seem like it was a Western idea.
1: Yeah, and he had been deliberately vague at Tehran and Yalta. Mm. Even at Yalta, he says, I raise question only to ascertain exactly what intentions of the three governments are. (laughs) On May 9th, the official Soviet victory day, after the defeat of Germany, Stalin gave a big speech where he stated quite clearly... That the Soviet Union did not intend to dismember or destroy Germany. Yeah.
0: So when the terms are offered to Germany in June of forty five, there is no mention of dismemberment.
1: And that, I think, is where we will finish this episode, Ray. Uh, let me read another review before we go. Another one from the United States. This is from Chop King 99. <coughs> Chop King, I know, has written a number of reviews for us in the past on different shows. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. King. Chop King, uh, the title of his or her review is The History of Yalta Podcast. If you're looking for a great podcast of the history of the Yalta Conference, this is the ticket. The Definitive History of Yalta. Yes sirree, this is the bee's knees. Boy, if the history of Yalta is your thing, you've got to get this one. Cam's accents are spot on from the drunken shambolic mess of Winnie to the fading power of Frank to the brilliant machinations of Uncle Joe, just perfect. More vodka? Duh. Ray, his sidekick, shifts from his excellent hyper-detailed World War II pod to play banjo commentary and occasionally futile defences of the USA for Cam. If only they someday decide to continue on to the rest of the Cold War, my (laughs) life would be complete. Well, a man can dream. Until then, stay tuned for the next episode where we dissect the final 18 seconds of the Yalta conference. (laughs) Well, booyah, Chop King. You got your wish. Thank you for that funny review. Uh, Shoot us an email with your postal and we will gift. Uh, Until then... Don't forget to get ready for our new Renaissance podcast.
0: Yes. And keep your feet on the ground, but keep reaching for the stars.
1: (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, keep an eye out for announcement of our 2018 Tour Mm -hmm. d'Amour. Hope you've been saving your pennies to come to that. Come and hang out with us in Europe for a couple of weeks
0: going to be awesome awesome all right (laughs) good
1: (laughs) hour three we're done we're out (laughs) we're done
0: an iron curtain has descended across the continent